0: But uh, it was was cool because, like, a lot of the guys that went there, even, like, uh, so I don't know if you saw a few months ago, there was a guy named Dan who was a former Navy SEAL, got killed in Bakhmut. Uh, He was there originally, too. But like, a lot of these American soft guys had, like, extremely limited training on a lot of Russian weapon systems, like SPG-9. Like, the Rangers didn't have a fucking clue what that was. Uh, So it was cool because I was like, oh, I have an AKs, PKMs, fucking everything I can work with. Because, I mean, I did it for four years in Iraq. like right? So I think we're there for 24 hours getting to know everyone's first name. And then they're like, all right, we need somebody to go to the weapon warehouse. So we sent one guy. He came back with 20 rifles and ammo. And we we're like, where the fuck's the rest of the weapons? And so we went and bitched the, the Ukrainians. And uh, they're like, okay, we'll go again. So myself and a uh, Ukrainian French dude actually went. And we went to the warehouse. And... He went up to the warehouse guy. was like, "We need more weapons." And the guy was like, "Well, take whatever you want. Just take it." So we grabbed like fucking twenty javelins, fucking stinger missile rocket launchers, and fucking we stacked all this shit. So up. They,
1: they had they had fucking everything like that there. They had heavier but, weapons and missiles and.
0: Oh yeah, they had they had some of it already stockpiled from earlier, um, and like Igla's one twenty mortars. I mean, they had a fuck ton of stuff there. They had a bunch of Korean wow. fucking old, like, not CZ brands, but I don't know what they were. They were, like, a modified, weird-looking M4 thing. Shittiest weapon I ever had. But uh, so we grabbed all this shit, grabbed, like, M72 uh, laws, and basically we stacked it all up in this warehouse in front of this guy, and he went fucking item by item writing everything down. It took longer for him to write all the shit down that we took. Then I'm like, here's my passport. So they took a fucking photo of it again. So, there's probably like two fucking things with my name on it now that are fucking with weapons that I don't have. Like, I've never turned any of that shit in. But uh, <laughs> we, I,
1: I, I highly doubt anybody's going to expect you to fucking pony up the proof of where your weapons are when you're rolling out.
0: Well, fuck. I mean, we used most of it in Moshun in the first like week. But so they, we, we took enough shit and we stacked enough shit. They had to get like three fucking deuce and a halves to move it all. So we roll back into this, we roll back into this barracks. We're like, hey, we need everyone to help unload. So we fucking just start bringing all these munitions into our fucking, you know, our our living area. And then the commander came over that was going to be with us. His name's uh, Vadim. And uh, Vadim was basically like, all right, tomorrow we move to Kiev. And I was like, all right, cool. We're going to go fuck shit up in Kiev. So they show up the next day with basically like a Greyhound bus. For like twenty of us, we're like, all right, this will work. We'll have enough room. And I'm like, where are we putting the munitions? Like, on the same bus? I was like, oh fuck, this is gonna suck. We had like a million rounds of fucking ammo and everything. Like, it was legitimately, it was a fucking like a third of a warehouse that we stole—not stole, but we acquired and signed out for. <clears throat> so we loaded this fucking—I got pictures of it too. I'll have to send it to you. But we loaded this fucking Greyhound bus. So full of munitions that on our way to Kyiv, we were sitting on fucking javelins, sitting on fucking TNT, sitting on grenades. Like, it was insane. If we'd have gotten blown up, it would have been a fucking big-ass bomb. They would have found nothing of us. It was just, like, straight out of a fucking movie. Like, it was just interesting. I mean, Ukraine was, at that point, Ukraine was on, like, you know, not deathbed, but it was, like, at all costs, you know. So they're like, yeah, a bunch of foreigners want fucking... 200 M72 laws, fucking put it in their vehicle. Let's go, let them go fuck shit up with it. So we took this, (laughs) we took this roundabout way to Kiev because at that point, Russia had pushed down so far from the north that you couldn't take that main route into Kiev on the, it's like the M305 or the M05, whatever highway. Uh, So we got halfway across and you had to go really far south and then button hook back up so we got into kiev at fucking like midnight or one in the morning it's just pure fucking chaos they have fucking civilians manning these checkpoints and it's like they're so itchy on their trigger it's like fuck we're gonna get killed before we even get to our fucking first base um and that at that point that was the day after that the russian spetsnaz or whatever got into kiev And we're trying to track Zelensky down, and Zelensky's bodyguards whatever fucking schwacked them all at that bridge area uh, downtown. So, like, everyone was on it. Like, it was super tense. But we ended up getting into the, uh, like, location that we were going to be at, which was, like, uh, fuck, right downtown. I was like, we're going to get rocketed. But it was whatever. Um, So we get there, and it's, like, probably 4 a.m. by now, 5 a.m. We offload everything out of this thing into this new fucking building. You know, we're all geared up to go. We're like, yeah, let's go fuck shit up. You know, I don't even have body armor or kevlar at this point. I'm literally wearing dickies. I was just
1: going to ask you that. Did they, like, what they have for, like, PPE? Did they, you guys didn't have anything yet?
0: Whatever you brought is what you fucking had. Uh, They just gave us weapons. Um, And basically, like, we got everything dropped off in this hotel. And the commander, Vadim's like, okay, tomorrow we start ops. And, like, we all looked at each other and we're like, fuck that. We want to go out now. Like, you know, Fuck this. Let's go. Let's just go fuck shit up. And so like after like two more hours of arguing with him, it's probably like 10 a.m. now or 9 or 10. He's like, all right, fuck it. You want to go? Let's go. So he called some fucking transport trucks up. We're like, all right, what are we going to do? He's like, we're going to go patrol this forest. So we didn't know this at the time, but the forest that we were going to patrol was Moshoon. So that's like north of Kiev, like direct front line. Um, the day earlier, Ukraine had blown that bridge up, which flooded some of that area, uh, and that's where the Russians were basically building pontoon bridges across, because they were coming in from the Irpin Bucha area, and then they were also coming in from Moschu. So we got to this outskirts of Moschu, and it's probably like we're probably kilometer and a half from where the Russians are attacking this village head on at, and we didn't know this. Like they're like, yeah, we're going blah 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 this direction. No village name, nothing. We didn't know the village name until we were in the fucking village. We didn't know where the Russians were until we were in the village either. So we all hop out of this vehicle all ready to go fucking shoot some Russians, you know. Uh, everyone brought their cold weather gear, extra shit. They, oh, they did issue us some cold weather gear, some really gnarly, like, um, parkas. But so we had all our shit packed, and we start walking to- down this road. And he's like, all right, we're going to cut off here into the forest. We're going to do a patrol. Drop your bags, we'll come back for them. That was a fucking mistake. We never came back for the fucking bags. But uh, so we drop our bags. We start going through this woods. We just brought basically brought like fuck twenty. We had like twenty M72 laws, two AT4s. I think a fucking some other anti-tank rocket, like an RPG22 or something, and just a fuck ton of ammo. I'm carrying a PCAM at this point with a backpack full of ammo. So we start walking through the woods, and it's just fucking fucking around, you know, just laughing, joking, and then like within five minutes of crossing that first uh road there's multiple roads like leading to Moshoon, so we crossed one that was on like the south side of it because Moshoon basically runs like along the, the marsh area there uh so we got past that first row and just got absolutely started getting smashed with artillery and dean's like all right move forward so most of the guys start running i actually fucking i'm just walking with a canadian guy we call him doc jesse he's a former canadian military me and him are just like, oh, it's not that bad. Our artillery, they're shooting over us. Fucking, we'll just walk. It's not a big deal. Just, you know, fucking around like a bunch of idiots. And uh, so we're walking through this woods, and then fucking, we hear something come flying through the trees and look up, and it was a fucking airburst round that went off probably like 20 meters from us. And like, I looked at him, he looked at me, and he's like, yeah, we should probably run now. So like, we, we ran to the ne- nearest fucking little trench position they had dug. And fucking hop down in this thing. Come to find out it was fucking full of oil and shit from a fucking BMP that got hit earlier. So we're sitting in this thing and then they're like, all right, keep pushing forward. So I was like, all right, fuck. So then we hop out of it and move forward and you start seeing like blown up civilian cars on the road. So like we were looking in the cars and like one of them had a radio. So it was like, oh, Ukrainian army must use it. So we grabbed the radio, put it in a pocket, whatever. And we ended up getting to this fucking trench line and there's Ukrainians. They're like, all right, get in the trench. So we run in there quick in the trench we all look at each other like what in the fuck are we doing because you know we were just supposed to be on patrol we didn't know we were gonna go did down. the
1: re- ukrainian military dig this or did the people from the freaking town dig this in as a security measure
0: it was hastily dug by the ukrainian military i mean it was chest belly button deep like it wasn't it wasn't Jesus. a full-on trench system yet they were literally actively digging it while getting shot at by the russians like russia was pushing bmp's btrs VDV. like Everything was going through that town. So we ended up smack dab in the middle of Moshun. And uh, basically straight down the street that was in front of us, it curved a little bit. But um, at the end of it is, a, is a, like a cement bridge. And past that cement bridge is straight to the other side uh, where they had put a pontoon crossing. So they were the Russians were all crossing from like two bridges. There's one on like the southwest side. And then there's the one in front of us. So we didn't have a clue where the fuck we were, but like we got up there and then we're getting shot at. So I ran from the trench to the first building on our right there and like was like, all right, I'll lay down some fucking fire, you know, and our Vadim's looking at me and starts yelling. He's like, come back, come back. Not yet. So I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm like, well, I already ran out here. I might as well stay here. So it was like five minutes arguing him yelling like Blat and a bunch of Ukrainian. I was like, all right ran back and then like as i get back to the trench, he's like okay now we go i'm like are you fucking kidding me so i ran back out there with the guys and uh come to find out actually there was ukrainians in the house in front of us because the civilians had fled and they were using it as like a makeshift uh like hq there's like four guys in there trying to defend and so we get in there the ukrainians book it the fuck out so now it's like our little our little house we got there vadim's like okay we're gonna stay here and you cannot leave you must fight and i was like okay this will be fun you know Like, he's like, don't shoot until I tell you to shoot. And we're like, all right, whatever. So we go upstairs. We set up, like, a sniper position because we had a former ranger, U.S. Army ranger and some you know, special forces guys there. So they set up a hide site. I set up a PCAM on the other, like, upper bedroom, and we just wait. You can see the Russians running around in front of us, like, 800 meters. And at one point, the sniper was yelling at Vadim. "Is like, hey, can I just fucking schwack this guy? There was literally a Russian standing dead center on the road, like, 800 meters straight down from us. Vadim comes up, gets his little old Soviet binos out and was looking at him. He was like, okay, shoot. The fucking Chris just fucking smoked this Russian, like, dead centered him. Uh fucking drop this dude and we're like, all right, we're gonna get shot at now. They never returned fire and never did anything. Just fucking dropped a Russian right in the road. And basically, like the first day, that was about all that happened. Uh nighttime hit. We're getting artillery nonstop. Uh it's just like, oh yeah, it's gonna be great, we're all gonna die in this building. So the next morning (laughs) the next morning we wake up and like the dean's like, Okay, I'll be back. I have to go to the rear trench for you know five, ten minutes to sort some stuff out. He didn't really say what he was doing. He spoke, so Vadim spoke English decently enough. It was not fluent, but it was good enough to understand what the fuck he was getting at. So he ran to the rear trench area, and so we all look at, he's like, don't shoot. Like, wait till I'm back to do any work. So, I mean, there's a bunch of fucking retarded former military guys there and a bunch of dumbass Russians in front of us. We all look at each other, and we're like, all right, fuck this. Let's, you know, let's go have some fun. (laughs) So we get upstairs and we get the PKM in the, the fucking, you know, first room again. Uh, oh, the second bedroom. The first room, the sniper gets up there and fucking, you know, the Russians are out front. So they start fucking just popping Russians like nonstop, just swacking the fuck out of them. Fucking, I'm like, all right, <laughs> okay, I'm going to shoot off some PKM. So we fucking unload some PKM. They start lobbing rounds back and then artillery starts coming and rockets. So we all run downstairs and hide in the middle of this house because it's a safe spot to be. then like five minutes after that, we all look at each other like, let's start fucking hitting them with rockets. So I was like, all right. And they're like, well, you can't shoot these out of a fucking, they're like, you can't shoot an M-72 out of a bedroom and a back I'm like, fuck you guys, give me the rockets. So I grabbed like three rockets, run upstairs, prep these M-72s, and like just peer out the window, and like you can see the fucking Russians running into this building. And you'd wait till they would stop and look at the windows and then fucking launch a rocket at them. Fucking nail these guys on the building to the left. And then fucking like 10 minutes later, there's more of them. So shoot another rocket, hit them in this other house. And the thing about an M72, if it's within a certain range, the booster doesn't all get expended. So like we basically lit like three houses on fire that had Russians in it. And anyway, like an hour of this fucking nonstop fucking chaos vadim comes running back in the house he's like what in the fuck like no no work you're not supposed to be working and i think it was uh kevin kevin's like dude go upstairs and look like we did good work just go upstairs and look so he go- vadim walks up the steps looks out the window fucking doesn't say anything comes downstairs and like five minutes later he's like okay do work when you want And it's like fuck yeah game on we spent like six days in the just absolutely fucking annihilating russians like Um, so Project Leaflet, where you found that story out, um, there's another one called Battles and Beers, it's called, they, they did like a whole write-up on it, they interviewed a lot of the guys, it's called like the Motion Kill House or something, but basically from like that point on, we basically were just, just do whatever the fuck you want, just kill Russians, like, I mean, we had guys, like the Rangers, like there was probably three Rangers, and then Kevin was like former soft or whatever, uh, he did, I don't know, he did some contract work and stuff. At one point, they're like, all right, we're going to push up into motion. Like, we're going to, you know, go assault something. So these motherfuckers, I go down in this chicken coop and act as like a, like a fire support, you know, with a PKM. These motherfuckers ended up pushing like three quarters of the way through this uncleared village that's full of Russians. They got to a house, and the Russians were literally on the other side of the fence at one point. Like, it was fucking ridiculous. Um, they were doing We were doing dumb shit at night, like clearing fucking buildings with lights, like just fucking all sorts of stupid shit. Like we should have probably all died, but anyway. So, like, at how, one, how many? How many were of
1: there were you all together?
0: There was twelve of us. Like, so there was twelve of us in this house, and then we had on up till day three. There was like twenty more foreigners in the back. All the guys in the rear trench, but like four fucking fled in the middle of the night one night because of the shelling was so bad, and like. Yeah, we didn't know that at the time till later. And then our where we actually got inserted in, got um, the Russians managed to push into the HQ where we were originally at, and they fucked up a bunch of shit there. So at one point, it was literally uh, Azov was on our left, and then it was us in the middle, and then some Ukrainian TDF guys on the right, and there was like no rear security. Our fucking HQ was fucking taken by the Russians, like. At one point, they said everyone in Moshun was dead. And, like, no, we didn't know any about this. We're just fucking killing Russians in the city, having a blast. Like, uh, Kevin at one point, fucking, there was like a group of platoon of Russians at. So, uh, in the area of we're at, uh, there's like a valley that goes over to the rest of the residential ship. Well, we found out where they were coming from. So, we'd watch like a group of like 15 Russians run through this open field. We're like, aha, we're going to get you now. So, we fucking waited, and they basically crossed this road as one single unit. And Kevin just mowed these fuckers down with the PKM. It was fucking insane. Um, and like at one point, Vadim called artillery on our own house because there was fucking they were pushing up in front of us. It was fucking it. <laughs> it was insane. But like,
1: so he, you guys did have some supporting fires through yeah, your yeah, I mean, they, uh, they called a platoon leader called, or whatever.
0: Yeah, Vadim, it was it was like 120s and like 82s. He literally called him directly on our house. Luckily, they hit in front of it. But um, they ended up schwacking a Spetsnaz team that was trying to push in at night. Uh, we had like no night vision. Like we were literally white lighting shit at night to clear buildings. So, I mean, it was just fucking crazy. Uh, we had a guy get fucking grazed and taking a piss in the toilet that didn't flush. Like by day five, that house was a fucking wreck. I mean, there was no running water. We had no food. Uh, like, day day four, we were all so fucking fed up and hungry. I went running outside and was searching, like, blown-up houses. I found pasta and water, and then those little hexamine boiler uh, like, heater packet things. Yeah,
1: those tabs.
0: Yeah, so I brought them back into this fucking – into our building in this fucking trash kitchen now because there's holes all over from the shelling and shit. We never got directly hit, but they'd hit in the backyard and then on the side of the houses. So I fucking – Pour all this water in this pot and fucking light like six of these hexamine tablets and literally boiled water and was cooking pasta under artillery. Everyone's laying in the middle of the fucking house and I'm over there fucking cooking. (laughs) It was a shit show. I mean it was it was just pure chaos. It was just yeah. And then like you'd leave the house and they had snipers. The Russians managed to like I think they knew where we were at, but they just I don't know. They just couldn't hit the hit shit with their artillery. There's I don't know. But, like, you'd leave our house, and they'd take pot shots at you through the fucking, like, sheet metal fence. It was insane.
2: So that was day one.
0: That was, like, the first week. It was just pure chaos. And then, so we leave Moshoon. We go back for a day, and then we're already bitching, like, let's go back out. So, like, okay, so we go to Irpene. Erpine was fucking
1: just as You guys big. went back to Kiev.
0: Yeah. Yep. We went back to the main base, got gear, ate a fuck ton of food. The second time out, they were like, all right, we'll bring food this time for you guys, which was nice because the first time they fucked us, we had no water. We had like, we had, we got nothing. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Like we should have all died. Like if we would have went up against a military that was competent, we should
1: have all died within like the first day and a half. Cause like So nobody other than the dude getting grazed, nobody was injured at all?
0: Uh We, t- we did take, so a Ukrainian tank at one point. So we actually tried to shoot a BMP that was coming down the road with 12 Russians behind it. And we were close enough to it that the rocket bounced off of it and didn't go off. Luckily, the BMP reversed and went down the next side road. And a Ukrainian tank blew it up and then proceeded to fucking unload its uh, machine gun on the infantry. But after that, the fucking Ukrainian tank pulled up next to our building. And was close enough to the building that when he shot the round, it blew all the glass and everything out of the house. So, I mean, everyone probably got a TBI. I shot enough rockets out of the upstairs that my nose and ears bled. That was pretty cool. <laughs> it, was, it was just pure chaos. I mean, it was it was an extremely target-rich environment. And there was a bunch of retarded Westerners with, like, unlimited ammo and nothing to eat and full of anger. So,
2: <laughs> so did... Did the higher ups in your your command, you know, after that first week, you know, start to get wind of the fucking twelve twelve Yanks that they fucking had under their charge? Like not we got- really.
0: I mean, uh, to be honest, dude, by that point, so when we got back to our staging area, there was like fucking two hundred other foreigners there. I mean, and some of them were absolute fucking retard[s]. I mean, it was. Like when we got back to the base, all we wanted to do was fucking shower, which we couldn't because there's no fucking water because all the, you know, Russia had bombed the fucking pumps and everything. So we're all pissy as is. And then we got to deal with a bunch of foreigners who broke into the fucking bar area, wherever the fuck they found that. And so like half of them are drunk, being fucking retards with loaded weapons. Um, one of the Ranger guys about fucking cleaned the clock on a foreigner. So we all basically locked ourselves in the room. The next morning we go downstairs. And we find a bunch of foreigners, like, fucking playing around in our ammo and shit. So there was a fight there. And then Vadim walks in he's like, all right, we're going to Erpine." I was like, okay, get us the fuck out of this zoo. <clears throat> so we ended up getting back in this fucking deuce and house that dropped us off in the middle of nowhere in Moshoon. And they dropped us off outside of Erpine, and we walked, like, a kilometer through an open field to get into Irpene, which was, again, probably a bad idea. <laughs> but Erpine uh, was cool. I mean, it was... I got left behind. So we actually, my little, our little group of 12 retarded veterans were like, all right, we're, we got into, into Irpene just fine. Like, let's go find the enemy. So we start walking down the street. And Vadim's like, we're going to go clear this part of the city. And, like, the part of the city we were going to clear was a fucking Russian HQ. Like, they wanted us to basically go, like, recce it, you know, get reconnaissance on it. Well, the recce turned into us literally walking up to – the central park in Irpene. And we got up to it. Nobody shot at us yet. We're like, all right, what the fuck? Let's send guys into the park. So we sent a four-man team into the park. But unbeknownst to us, it was literally a Russian, like Russian headquarters. There was dug-in BMPs. there's a BTR. Uh, they actually had <clears throat> the apartment building behind the fucking park was like their main fucking little base area there. That was fucking intensely retarded. Luckily, the guys literally got like, within 50 meters of the Russians before the Russians saw them and they saw the Russians. So it was like both sides were like, surprise, haha, motherfucker. And basically the guys ended up, so like the center of the park's here, they ended up running all the way through the park and coming out the side entrance. And like I had a P-cam, but I couldn't see where these guys were at. Once all these shells started flying through, like the Russians are shooting the BMPs, so you're 30, you know 30 millimeters are going off. Uh, it was myself and two British guys right next to me uh, I had an aid gunner, and then this other guy just was carrying rockets. So like, well, what the fuck do we do? And I was like, well, we're gonna we'll pull back to there was a ledge where it dropped. Like the street goes like this, and then it dropped down into parking. So like, we'll we'll go there, and we'll we can have a better basis fire support. So we get over there, and basically it's like fucking thirty mil fucking hate coming from everywhere. Um, finally, our guys pop around this park, and then come running, and they jump down the same ledge area. <clears throat> they come over to me. I'm like, well, where the fuck's the enemy? They're like everywhere in front to start unloading. So I was like, all right, let's do this. And so basically I laid down probably like a hundred round fucking full auto on these fucking retards in the park, not even aiming just shooting straight through the park. They run across the road and then scoot behind the building that we came in from. And unbeknownst to me, I figured they were going to pull, you know, like supporting fires so I could then run across the road. But what happened is they, someone threw a fucking smoke grenade out and basically all the Russians did was turn and start shooting into the smoke. So I got left behind at this fucking roadway with like a fucking 100 plus Russians in armor in front of me with a fucking Ukrainian who had a bolt-action rifle in like 10 rounds. It was fucking ridiculous. Me and the fucking crazy little Ivan Ukrainian got stuck there for like an hour and a half before we were able to get the fuck out of there. So yeah, my unit left me behind there. <laughs>
2: How far away was the distance? I mean, oh, to, to link
0: back up with your guys. Uh, I, so I didn't link back up them. Uh, we got on videotape. They actually were like, so they got around the building. And actually, I have the videos on my Instagram, I think. I don't know if I have their point of view, but I have my point of view. But um, the video that one of the guys had on his GoPro basically, they got around the building, like, where's Ryan? And somebody yelled, he's still out there shooting. And basically, they had left me, and uh, the commander at the time was like, he's fucked, like, you can't get to him. Like, I mean, at that point, and he wasn't he wasn't wrong. I mean, at that point, the Russians were shooting, like, 30-millimeter and machine guns and lobbing fucking 40-mic-mic Mike Mike GP25s down that road because they threw the smoke, and it basically attracted all the fire. He was basically like, we'll get his body later. So it was basically like, yeah, he's fucked, you know. And I mean, like, yeah, I was like, I probably wouldn't have told the guys to go back either because, like, if they would have tried to get out on that road, it would have been more people dead. So me and fucking the one dude just laid some hate down for a little bit. And then at one point I was like, should we go through this, like, blue fence in front of us? He's like, no, we'll low crawl around this fucking. So we low crawled, like, 400 meters, got to the edge of where the parking ramp area thing was, and basically he's like, all right, now we're going to run to the left through that alleyway and around the building. I was like, great, we're going to get shot in the back. Luckily, we made it out of there. The Russians did not push. If they would have pushed, they would have killed everyone. But they wouldn't. They would not. They just didn't have initiative. They just fucking sat on their BMPs and BTRs and in their building windows and shot fucking rounds everywhere. Um, So we got around the edge of the building. And at this point, like, we met up with some Ukrainians. Some dude took a 30 mil piece to the face that bounced off a wall. So they're wrapping his fucking head up. And, like, no one spoke English. I was like, all right, where are we going? They're like, oh, well, you know, Tom, Tom, like, go over there. And so, like, oh, Divai, come on. So I just follow these Ukrainians hopping fucking fences. And we get back to this area, and they're like, okay, medic's here. So they grab the one guy, and they're treating him. And I'm just standing there with a machine gun on my shoulder. And all of a sudden, this dude hops over this fence. And I was like, fucking goody, what are you doing? It was the British guy, my aid gunner. I was like, what in the fuck? And they're like, oh, you're alive. And the next thing you know, there's, like, another teammate coming over, and then another over the wall. And then Vadim hops over and he's like, he is alive. And I'm like, yes, I'm alive, guys. Thank you for that. But it was, it was a good person. And, oh, we ended up capturing uh, – the Ukrainians captured some Russians somewhere nearby there too. So we get ex-filled out to this, like, waiting area. And fucking – the we, we go to this, like, little cabin resort area. And they're like, yeah, just rest. We'll get you food, water. So we eat and all that. We're sitting there eating. And next thing you know, this fucking Ukrainian ND is like four rounds out of his AK. Oh my God, it was insane. About shot like three people. And then come to find out, it was just a dude trying to fucking unload his fucking weapon. But he fucking just racked it and then pulled the trigger and he still had his fucking mag in it. So after that point, I was like, you know what, fuck this shit. It's just crazy. Uh, I had reached out to a connection I had here, a foreigner that served with the 36 Marines, but was not in Mariupol's contract. It ended. He was doing uh, like private, uh, like tech wise shit. Cause you, Ukraine had a big tech industry up till the invasion. Uh, a lot of people don't really know that. But he's like, Yeah, I'm with some drone. I'm with the drone group, uh, Aeros Vidka. So at the start of the war, you saw like the yep. videos of the drone drop munitions getting hit on shit. And like it was a shield with like a drone and wings on it. So I was like, all right, cool, I'll go with you. So we got back to our place in Kiev. I, look, I went to the DM. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm going to go fucking be a drone dude for a while, try something different. He's like, ah, oh, Suka. He was all pissed off. But um, predominantly because I think he liked us, actually. But uh, he, he, I, I Did still- Did the rest
1: talk. of the guys end up staying together? What happened to most of those yeah, guys? Yeah, you so know? all those
0: guys stuck out, stuck it out. But I was like, I'm going to go with Eros Vidka. And so- there was some arguing because of the paperwork and shit, so I did all my paperwork I needed to do. Um, I still talked to Vadim too, like me and him are cool. But uh, anyway, I ended up going with Eros Vidka and we ended up going like button hooking south out of Kiev and then going up north uh, to a village called Malin and then we went north of that. Malin was where the Ukrainian army was, most of their front line. We ended up going like another 30 kilometers north to another small village called Bazar And then from there we started doing fucking retarded shit with drones. Uh, So we were actually in front of the Ukrainian front line, and the Russians were in front of us, like anywhere from a thousand meters to fucking ten kilometers behind uh, in front of us. So we started like walking through the woods and just basically ambushing the Russians with uh, the like T one hundred five or whatever the Ukrainian big drone is, and that was like my first time learning drone stuff. like, the Vidka guys at the start of the war that were doing all that drone stuff on the large convoy. They're fucking crazy, but good crazy.
1: I, I had seen some stuff that they were talking about, um, and they assumed it was the Chinese. The guys were using the uh, – off the Ukrainians were using that off-the-shelf stuff. Proprietary freaking information to be able to track the drones. I mean, I think Jason and I were watching some of that stuff one day where they would yeah, set a oh. drone down – get ready to launch it in a fucking some artillery or something would instantly come in.
0: Yeah. So the DJIs and stuff, there's uh, the same company that sells the drones, sells a security system called aeroscope or whatever that can track the DJIs and some other drones, not all of them, but a lot of them um, at that point in the war though, it wasn't really done much. So Aeros Vidca had been building their own drones. Like the drones didn't come around in 2022. Uh, these, this group of nerds, like, combat nerds, you could call them. Like, the dudes are really cool. I still talk to a lot of them. Um, You know, they started doing this 2015, 2016, 2017. Like, these guys have been... They were drone, like, race drone people that were just interested in tech. And, like, they had been building out their capabilities for years, just not never had... They never had the opportunity to use it yet. So, it was good good with them. Uh, I showed them how to... Like, cut apart 40 mic mics to then be able to take the inertia fusing out of them, to then drop them. They showed me how to do it with the fog. So it was, like, two terroristic minds coming together and building shit to drop on Russians' faces. And, like, they were ballsy, too. Like, we found a unit up there uh, in Moline because we'd get our supplies in Moline, drive back out, and then walk into the fucking woods. Uh, we found a unit that had fucking Mark 19s. I was like, hey, let's see if we can borrow one. We'll go walk it in the woods you know, like a kilometer from the Russians, set it up and arc fire into their fucking headquarters. They're like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's go do it. So fucking we walked this Mark 19 and like fucking had it been like 300 rounds through the fucking woods. And we set it up on a hill and we use uh, like this Ukrainian ATAC basically to like figure out the distance using GPS Uh, Anyways, the I can tell you the TM where it says they're like twenty-one hundred meter maximum is bullshit because we overshot and hit the fucking Russian positions behind what we were aiming at, but uh, like their response is lob thirty mic mics with their like you know the BTR cannon. So we did a lot of interesting shit. It was at one point the uh, military command called us up and like, hey, we need you to go defend this road against the Russian unit moving in. It's like, well, all we have is a Schmel. Like, we had one Schmel. That was our only fucking rocket. Oh, wait, no, we had an in-law that was broke. <clears throat> so we are like, all right, fuck it, whatever. We'll go sit at this fucking intersection, try to shoot the first tank that comes by and hopefully not die. There was, like, four of us. The other Ukrainian military guys nearby just up and left. Cause they're like, fuck that, we're not going to die here. <clears throat> so we sat there all night. Luckily, the Russians didn't push forward. They ended up stopping in, like, a village, like, two kilometers in front of us. So the next day fucking, we got word from one of the spoons that was fleeing that the Russians were coming back down that the convoy was coming. It was like tanks and fucking fuel supply trucks and shit. So the Ukrainian, uh, Ivan, he was like our little squad leader or whatever you want to call him. He's like, alright, let's set up an ambush. So they went and drove over to the SBU Alpha guys and SBU Alpha was like, yeah, we'll help you out. So we got like fucking 17 guys in pickup trucks and uh, we have the Mark 19 in the back of there. We're like, yeah, we're going to ambush the fuck out of this Russian convoy. So we found a part of the road where it goes like this and then 90 degrees and we basically set up a like an anti-tank position behind a berm here and then we had a mark 19 that could see down it was in the tree line but we could see the oncoming road, and we're like oh we're gonna fuck these guys up now so we probably would have but we were letting civilian traffic in and out and one of the vehicles that we let go back into the russian area to pick people up what likely happened is when they got to the Russian side, the Russians put guns on them and said, hey, is there anybody in front of you? And the Ukrainian probably told them so he didn't get shot. Two hours after sitting there, we just got fucking absolutely hammered by tank fire. What the Russians did instead is they pushed into the woods enough to where they could shoot fucking tanks down the, the tree line. so uh, Ukrainian forests, depending on if they were logged previously, all the trees are in lines like because they're planted by hand. So they managed to plant a fucking tank that could shoot straight down this forest line at us, or at least in our general direction. Luckily, nobody got hit, but that was a shitty day. (laughs) And then helicopters came in. That was the first time I've ever seen helicopters trying to kill us. That was pretty interesting. Were they hips or hinds? What were they? They were hinds, and they were like, if I had a rock, I could have picked a rock up and fucking hit them with it. That's how low to the ground they were flying, like treetop level, straight over top of us. Ran into the woods and hid under evergreen trees, smoked cigarettes and laughed Jeez. about it. <laughs> How many oh, hinds yeah. were there?
2: Two. Wow, these things do. have been in service for so long, man. It's crazy they're still in they're service. Scary so as fuck, though.
0: Especially like I mean, we we had rockets, but it's like if you miss, you're fucked. because like, I mean, all they're gonna do is bank around and then absolutely fucking torment you. Like, there's no, you're not outrunning a helicopter. And there's not much you can do to, I mean, you shoot a fucking AK at it. What's it going to do? Bounce off the armor on the front. Like the co- people don't realize like, yeah, you can shoot down a helicopter with a small arms, but like you're more likely going to get fucking killed before that happens. Like it doesn't just go straight through it. They're armored in the cockpits, you know? So like you're just sitting right. ducks. Now I know how the fucking Taliban felt, you know, <laughs> that was the, so the- scariest fuck.
2: <laughs> so the, uh, the tanks you were seeing, man, where they the whole line with the 55 72s what were you seeing at that
0: point in time i didn't have a clue all i knew is it had a big ass barrel and it was armored yeah. but uh it was like t72s you know it wasn't like they're super new ones it wasn't the super old it was just like their gen 2 or whatever you want to call it but yeah. uh, i mean we ended up pushing back and we just basically guarded Bazaar with a bunch of civilians who had like their grandpa's fucking rifle like i mean we had one guy that in that village who literally would show up to the checkpoint in a soviet uniform he was like 69 years old. No fucks given. Like pro, pro-Soviet Union hated hated Russia though. He was like, oh, it's not the, same, not the same as it was back in the day. But I mean there was a lot of sentiment in the rural communities where they weren't pro-Russian but they liked the Soviet Union because during the Soviet Union time they had that program where they would move population to the rural communities. So the rural communities had a lot more money. And like if you were a farmer – or like a machinist or somebody that was like a skilled trade, you had like a higher standing, you know, and then the Soviet Union fell. And then like, Oh, you're a farmer. You're fucking poor. You know, nobody cares about you. Is you know, it's just like in the U S with like, everyone says there's like urban blight, but a lot of people don't understand, like in the rural communities, rural communities are dying off because there's not investment. There's not the population is declining. The population is getting older. So a lot of the rural communities, they still like the Soviet Union ideology because like, there was people there. There was people moving in because they had labor camps. They had fucking, you know, you name it. The Soviets were dumping money left and right into the rural communities. So for them, it was their, you know, their livelihood. They, they were, that was the best time of their life because they had money.
2: They had money to spend. They were, you know, they were well off. So we're hearing a lot over here in the States, as you know, about all oh, Ukrainians or are- are racist and Nazis, and you're hearing the Russians or X, Y, and Z, right? So it's so awesome to talk to you, being on the on literally the front lines as an American. As far as the
0: Nazis go, like obviously there's far right here. Uh, there has been, it, you know, there's far right in the U.S. Uh, there's Nazis yep. in the U.S. I mean, fuck, was it Georgia there or Florida, wherever they had the fucking Nazis out front of Disneyland recently or whatever. I w- I've I've been here for fuck, 510 days almost. I would say there's no more... I've met no more Nazis here than I have in the US. Obviously, there's, there are some. I'm not going to say there's not. There are some Nazis here. Uh, there are far right here. Are they yep. as widespread as they are in the US or Germany or wherever? I would say no. I would say it's probably... If, if you could get an accurate polling, it'd probably be on a similar level. Um, I don't... They're hmm. not like... The ideology isn't like highly regarded in the society. I mean, like, so So you have Azov, and, like, Azov has, like, a special place in Ukrainian, like, lore now, or, like, modern lore, if you want to call it that. It's not because of their, you know, who the founders were. It's because they stood up and they fought back against Russian aggression in 2014. Um, if you actually look at the groups who are far right or who were far right, so, like, Azov was far right. Now they're not. They, they pushed out the um, extremist ideology and the extremist leaders, like the original founders of Azov are no longer in, you know, I mean, uh, that one guy that was a political, whatever his name was, he ended up trying to run for the, basically the Ukrainian parliament and they got fucking like nowhere, nobody voted for him. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, you have uh sector, which is uh, right sector, right sector is like ultra nationalist, not necessarily like, Full-blown Nazis or white nationalists—they're just like super Ukrainian first, fuck all foreigners. Um, you can actually see the shift in their ideology too. Like, so like right sector was hugely against anti, like they're they were they 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 were founded on this belief that you know Ukraine first. If you're not Ukrainian, you're fuck all worthless. Uh, we don't care if you're Polish, whatever. Uh, And they were hugely anti-corruption, so they were for like hanging oligarchs in the fucking street because they weren't. Uh, supporting Ukraine, they didn't believe Zelensky was doing the right job because he didn't want to keep fighting in twenty, you know, twenty 2020, twenty, twenty twenty one. He wanted to, you know, get Russia to not invade. Um, but if you actually look from where they started to where they are now, they are not far right. Um, those those people that were in that are predominantly gone now. Uh, and if you look at the political parties who are far right, none of them have gotten any support from the Ukrainian public, and that's what matters. It doesn't matter. That somebody can say, "Oh, there's Nazis in that group." What you need to look at is how the Ukrainians are voting. Um, if the Ukrainians were so big in Nazism, first off, Zelensky wouldn't be in power if there's that many Nazis here because he's a frick he's Jewish, for fuck's sakes. You know that's counterproductive to Nazi ideology. But secondly, if you look at the political power or like the um, people, the main government, so like the uh, servant of the People, which is Zelensky's party, you know, they aren't pushing this far right or far left. They're more of like a centrist type setting. And then you look, they mm. have pro-Russian government officials in, which, I mean, they kicked the pro-Russian ones out now. Obviously, you're at war with Russia. You can't have the pro-Russian parties even active. Uh, there was a lot of propaganda that they were releasing too. But if you look at the actual Ukrainian parliament and then like the local elections, almost none of them, none of the far-right parties got anywhere. None of the communist parties, for fuck's sake, really got anywhere, um, which shows that if, if, if there was a majority of far-right people in this country, those parties would be, you know, in yep. parliament. They would be actively changing the government. Instead, they're basically fucked off. Um, that doesn't mean... I, I think Ukrainians could be a little bit more outspoken on not allowing that, because so like... Governments are supposed to govern the people, but at some point the, and this is the same for the US elsewhere, the people need to set society standard, societal standards. So like if it's, it's up to the citizens of that country to set, you know, we're not going to do this Nazi bullshit, we're not going to do racism. The government shouldn't necessarily have to police freedom of speech and police ideologies. Um, I don't think they ever should anyway for a democracy. It should be up to the people in the communities to police their own um so like the ukrainians need to be a little bit more outspoken on being against the nazi shit because uh, right now basically if you see somebody walking the street with like a fucking swastika on them the ukrainians be like yeah he's a fucking retard but like they're not openly ostracizing him in public like in the u.s if you wore a nazi like a swastika in my hometown you'd probably get bitch slapped not because we have a bunch of jewish people just because it's not acceptable in society Um, the people in Florida surprisingly didn't get bitch slapped recently. Uh, I, I have nothing wrong with people punching Nazis, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, I think, I think the Ukrainian public, I think if they were more, I mean, they are outspoken to a certain extent, but not to like the West, like internally they're outspoken against it, but you don't see it in the media. So I think Ukraine could do a little bit better on like public service announcements in English, saying, you know, like, we don't accept this behavior, society doesn't, but I don't know how you can really translate that from, like, Ukrainian to English, because, I mean, like, they're not just going to run ad campaigns in English, you know, saying, yeah, we don't like this, but I think society, the Ukrainian society is always moving forward, they're not ultra-nationalists, they're not fucking white supremacists, far from it, they don't, they don't care what, there's, there's, the other thing is, is, like, they don't say they're patriots, they say they're nationalists, but, like, People in America need to understand like, not every country in Europe had issues with slavery. So, like, a nationalist here is basically patriotism. They're not like, oh, I'm a nationalist, like, I'm white nationalist. It's like, no, I'm a nationalist, as in, like, I love my country, I'm Ukrainian first. And like, trying to explain to them, like, you can't say that to a Western audience because people in America are like, oh, they said nationalist. That means they're fucking, you know, racist scum like they don't have ku klux klan here they don't have fucking yeah they just don't issue with the
1: the verbiage is digested a little bit differently because i not too long long ago i saw the uh the ambassador to the u.s from poland was being interviewed and he was basically saying the same thing you know poland is very much a a nationalist country or the the current political party there is and uh man (laughs) they were just getting shit on because of what this guy was saying and it wasn't he was just like hey man we want to protect Poland we want to take care of our people we want to take care of our citizens you know we're here to help others but we don't want to be overrun I can totally see where he's coming from but exactly what you said people see it at here as you know they use that nationalistic verbiage and they instantly think it's some sort of racist yeah, it garbage also doesn't help truth. like
0: Russia's really good at latching onto that too like like everyone thinks that I I I don't think Americans truly understand how much information warfare is going on all the time like Russia knows full well that in the west you know like Russia's information warfare like for their military and their intelligence community they know full well like what triggers people in America what triggers people in the UK like they've they've developed a really good information warfare uh, informational warfare tactics and like so what you see is they take that verbiage and like, yeah, see, they're Nazis because they say, you know, we're nationalists. But in reality, if, if you took the time to understand that, like, not everywhere in the world had an issue with uh, Jim Crow, with fucking slavery. I mean, I don't even know if there was ever even really African-American slaves in Ukraine. I know they had, like, Middle Eastern ones here at one point, but, like, I don't think it was ever – I don't think there was ever a slave trade in Ukraine, you know. I don't think there was ever really in Poland either, for fuck's sakes. So they're not going to have the same connotations against saying I'm a nationalist as we would in the U.S. or, you know, <laughs> negative opinion on it. It also doesn't help, like, the transliterations on stuff. You have to understand there's language differences, too, and nothing transliterates the same. So saying, like, Slava-Nazi, Nazi in Ukrainian means nation. It doesn't mean, like, the Nazi party. Um, as an American, when you hear it, it sounds the same, but, like, if you actually – know how the letters are supposed to sound it's supposed to be like a soft t it's not like a z it's a soft t so like when they say Slavonazi, they're saying like glory to the nation not like glory to nazis which tends to people in america typically don't understand that so there's a lot of interesting on that like i wouldn't say ukraine's right wing by any means uh they are conservative but it's more of like you know that whatever you want to call it, nuclear family type setting where, like, they believe, you know, they're, they're conservative in, like, orthodox Christianity, orthodox Catholicism. Um, they still have a huge... They're not as liberal yet as the rest of the West. I mean, they're getting there, though. I mean, like, nobody here really cares if you're fucking gay. Like, they don't. There's gay people that serve in the Ukrainian military, or LGBTQ, whatever you want to call it. You know, there's LGBTQ+. plus um there's fucking nobody cares it's just not at the forefront of ukrainians like daily lives they don't give a shit like whereas in the u.s it's like trans rights this trans rights that like in ukraine there's like who cares ukrainian leave them alone like it's not
2: they have a little bit more to worry about right now than... yeah but i'm like yeah. even,
0: even before the war it wasn't like if you look at the difference in the media they're not really like i I mean, like, obviously there's LGBTQ issues in every country. Um, That's always going to be a case because people are fucking assholes. But, like, in Ukraine, like, your private life is your private life. They don't really – there's no need to, like, talk about it. Like, is it offending you? Is it offending this? Because it's it's a matter that's whatever. whoever you fuck in your private life, as long as it's a legal consenting adult, they don't care. Like, 99% of Ukrainians do not give a shit. Um, And it's just not pushed by the media here. The media here is more about, you know, who fucking is corrupt and what political party did something stupid. Like, they're more, they're just not, like, I don't want to say pushing a liberal agenda because that sounds terrible, but, like, they just don't focus on those issues. What happens in your private life is private. They have other things to worry about, like building a democracy, ensuring the elections are squared away, uh, unfucking the infrastructure that was... Corrupted for the last 20 years, you know. I mean, like, the roads here are all fucked up. Not because of the current (laughs) government, but because of the government that was successive after the 1990s, you know. uh, Up until, like, 2004, so.
1: The stuff that just happened with the Wagner group, did you guys feel like you uh, saw any of that stuff coming or what was the response to everybody on that side of the border when that stuff went on?
0: Honestly, everyone was just fucking joking about it. I mean, like, so like the Ukrainian unit I'm with, a lot of them are veterans since like 2014. Our commander has been fighting since 2014. Like we basically just sat around like that. we We actually launched an operation like the day before that or no, the day of that. And like the operation went well. Yeah. We ended up fucking, just bitch slapping some Russians in the trench like late that day and then into the next day, um, but I mean it was just a fucking clusterfuck. It was it was funny to watch. I mean it was it was comedy. Um, I don't I don't know how you can say you have your borders secure and you have internal security when you know Wagner can just roll up on your military. Like the southern district got taken over in fucking three hours. But I mean that shows yeah. that shows how bad Russia is at moving their forces too. So Wagner did it right. If you look their if you look at their videos, every one of their vehicle transports had a fucking fuel tank on the back, a big ass plastic container of fuel, and so that's how they pushed that quick was because they didn't have to stop and fucking fuel up all the time. You know they had to stop maybe like three times. Everyone's like, oh, it's gonna take them twenty four hours to get to Moscow. Fuck, took them like twelve because they carried their fuel with them. Russia couldn't. The problem that Russia got fucked on is they cannot mobilize their troops quick enough to get into one area into another area because they're fucking their command chains all fucked and it's just like that on the front line like we hit positions and it'll take them a, like they'll artillery us but it'll take them a good fucking two hours to mount a counterattack, and by then it's useless because we're already dug in you dumb fuckers so they just run across open field and don't feel get schwacked
1: have you, have you had any uh direct contact with the the wagner guys yourself
0: Not in our sector. I have previously, I was in Bakhmut for a little bit, and then um, a lot of the other guys here. uh, So more than 20, less than 100 uh, foreigners now that are under like my command, and then obviously Ukrainian command above us, uh, because we do joint operations with Ukrainians. But um, we've basically built a unit of guys who have been here for like six plus months. So like they fought in Severodonets, they fought in Bakhmut. Some of the guys fought with me in Mosho and Irpin. So like we have we have experience with them. It's not that big of a deal. Um, they definitely are more of a threat than the average Russian soldier, uh, and even like double the threat of a Russian conscript, obviously. But I mean, it's nothing you know. Proper planning can't handle, and then proper obviously logistics support. But um, yeah, I, I would I would say that the Wagner group or Wagner group, whatever you want to call it, they're just more adaptive on the battlefield because they don't have that chain of command that breaks down like the Russian military does and I don't think the Russian military everyone's like the Russian military is changing blah 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 it's never going to change enough that they're going to be able to backtrack and take this war back onto their like momentum like they're not going to get the momentum back like it's just their their leadership's too fucked Uh, it's just like if Perosan would have took over he probably could have won the war but he decided to fuck
2: off and make a backdoor deal with Putin somehow or another. So, How long do you see this going? I mean, it's, it's, it's been happening for some time now.
0: So I would say it's probably going to be a level playing field for another six months, probably till next spring. Uh, the biggest problem Russia is going to have is, you know, they had 13 million or 14, 15 million fucking artillery shells at the start of the war. Look, they're only currently producing like 30,000 a month or some fucking amount. It's not enough for them to sustain their current combat capabilities across the whole front. Uh, China's not giving them fucking artillery. Iran doesn't make their own that much. Like, they aren't going to be able to supply what they have. Whereas the U.S. is ramping up production now. So I think they brought like another plant online for artillery. If Russia doesn't do anything like that by next spring, they're going to lose. They're going to run. At at one point, the West is going to be able to outproduce russia on their munitions it's 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 simple math i mean there's fucking like 30 countries against what russia north korea who doesn't even really make their own shit and like iran who doesn't have the capabilities to make much either like it's the longer they fight the more they're going to lose it's just a matter of how much they're going to
2: lose i feel like the longer you guys fight the more support you're getting with tech
0: yeah that's the other thing so like a lot of people don't understand mission creep. Uh, any GWAT veteran knows what mission creep is. You know, you start here and yeah. you keep going. Like, it's, it's, a slow, it's a slow process. Like I said, the U.S. is reactive. So, yeah, like, seven months ago, yeah, Ukraine got HIMARS. And then you look, now they got Storm Shadow. Now we got cluster munitions. Like, I don't know if Russia doesn't realize this yet, but it's going to keep increasing. Like, the technology asset, like, obviously, we're not going to get fucking nukes or tomahawks to Ukraine. But everything else under the sun is going to be coming out soon. You know, anti-ship missiles, torpedoes, other shit's going to come. It's just a matter of time. Um, <clears throat> and I, it's annoying that the U.S. takes so long to do this, but they do it in a manner that's digestive for the American public on, you know, why is this needed? Uh, but at the same time, it sucks because a lot more Ukrainians are dying because we take so long to get this tech into Ukrainian hands and get them trained on it. Like F-16 pilots... Should have been trained fucking nine months
2: ago, but it's a slow mission creep for the U S we're reactive. What do you think the pulse is of the, the people of Russia towards the movement against Ukraine? Do you think it's changed? Is it, is it ramped up? Is it the same?
1: No,
0: honestly, I mean, like it hasn't changed. Like the Russians aren't against the war because Ukrainians are dying. If anything, they're against the war because it's hitting their pocketbooks. Um, honestly, I'm not a big fan of the Russian public. Like, Everyone's like, oh, they can't protest. It's like, they can protest. They just have to accept the consequences of protesting. Like, uh, like uh, I recently posted, like, yeah, we just schwacked like 100 Russians five days ago or something on an operation. Like, oh, they were just conscripts. It's like, yeah, but they had a choice. They could either fucking die over here or they can spend five years in jail. You know, I would rather spend five years in jail than get fucking schwacked by a bunch of dudes with fucking AKs screaming their heads off in a different language. You know I mean? Like, they have a choice.
1: Are, are you running into a lot of – are you guys running into a lot of conscripts?
0: Oh, yeah. They get fucking – like, our last operation was against all conscripts. And they got fucking white. Really? I mean, we got in the trench within a minute. That,
1: that's got but... to suck, man. I don't, I, don't, I don't have, like, exactly what you said. If, if, if somebody tried to drag me out of my house and be like, hey, you're going to go fucking next door and fight fucking some other country, and, and I have no idea what I'm doing, I'd rather go to jail. It just – it blows me away that they send these dudes into the fucking meat grinder – and they're just killing these these completely untrained people. It's it's insanity that Russia keeps doing this. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what a joke it must be to run into these guys on the fucking battlefield.
0: I mean, yeah, so the unit I'm with, it typically takes the uh, Ukrainians like six minutes from the time they dismount to get in the trench. Our last operation, we were with, in the trench within a minute and had 100 meters cleared in five minutes, and fucking just absolutely slaughtered them it wasn't even i mean it like the guys were joking on the way back and we had two guys get shrapnel wounds one from a fucking grenade they threw themselves like an idiot but that's just training on that part but i mean it's just don't if, if it wasn't for russia's artillery superiority it would be the war would be over in a week like they're the ground troops the conscripts are fucking garbage the only ones that are putting up a decent fight would be like the Luhansk People's Republic because a lot of them are veterans, the Donetsk uh, People's Republic, and then Wagner. Otherwise, the, the the conscripts they're putting on the front line in front of the regular armed forces, they're just fucking meat. Like, I mean, it's, they're, they're, they're not trained, and like, a lot of the Ukrainians aren't either, but the problem is, is there's enough Ukrainians now that are getting trained by the West that they're eight weeks of training if they survive the first 12 days on a battlefront, you know, I go by like a fifth, like a 12 to 15 and then 90 day rule. If you survive the first 15 days, you got your battlefield awareness, you got your head on your, you know, you got your head on straight, you know what's going on in your area now. So, from the 15 days to the 90 days, you can fucking kill a lot of people if you're if you're, you know, self-aware of what's going on and you pay attention. After 90 days, you usually need a break cuz then people just start not giving a fuck, but um, <clears throat> especially the lower trained troops but the the training differences probably aren't seen as much yet but you're going to see it increasing like Ukraine's not used to using western armor but just wait like there was a bunch of vehicles blown up at the 47th okay well western armor and how we deal with things in like a doctrinal way is different than how Ukraine has typically done it you know usually you put your armor out and then you have like 12 guys run behind it that's the Russian way Um, So they're slowly shifting to this NATO way, which is put your guys in the fucking armor and then go through and find a breach point and then hit it. And so, you know, this is their first time doing it in a NATO standard. So the first few times are going to be, you know, shitty, especially with the amount of mines going through here. The, The West really didn't supply enough like, mine-clearing shit, but at the same time, our doctrine in the West, we don't focus on mine-clearing because we have superiority in the air, the sea, the fucking everywhere, you know? So, yep. um, But the longer that these units get to this front, like, the more that these units get to this front line and they, you know, use those lessons learned from the failed attacks, it's not going to go well for the Russians. Just give it time. Especially if we can get, like... If my guys had Bradleys right now, it really wouldn't go well for the Russians because most of my guys are former <laughs> mechanized. And so, like, they know how to shoot them, they know how to repair them, they know how to drive them. Um, you know, we've got guys that demine. Like, I fuck, I cleared two kilometers of Russian territories just so I could go ambush some guys in a fucking lot of Neva that worked for the Ministry of Defense. Like, we're at this point in the war, the ones that are still here for foreigners who are worth the shit, like, we're just a bunch of chaotic combat retards at this point you know i mean we've got we've got fucking 365 days of actual combat here whereas these conscripts have four weeks of training who's gonna win you know
2: yeah Tri- the trials and tribulations and scars like you've got it it's it's ingrained in you now especially iraq especially the american military man you've got you're getting in marine terms pretty fucking salty
1: do you have any visibility of active u.s people over there Either training or getting involved, in any of that stuff, any of the agency guys, or we've got dudes over there, at least in the training side of things. I'm wondering if you've run into anybody or seen any of it.
0: I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've heard the rumors that there are. I will say that there's obviously Americans here. I don't think they're really doing a training approach. I think they're more the hands off. Like obviously, they have people who are. Um, you know, watching the flow of weapons coming in, um, tracking where the weapons are going. So, like, everyone's like, oh, weapons are getting stolen. Like, dude, I'm telling you, every fucking weapon that comes across that border is literally written down, put in a computer system, and that database is watched. Um, at the start of the war, did shit go missing? Probably. Is it happening now? Like, with the advanced technology shit? No. Uh, are there AKs going missing and M4s? More than likely. I mean, I, fuck. It happens with the U.S. military in Iraq. It happened in Afghanistan you know it's you can't stop it but like are javelins going missing by the dozen fuck no like if you take a javelin now and you go shoot it bring the fucking empty tube back or you get your fucking ass raped. they'll make you go out and get the fucking thing you know like oh you didn't pick it up go back you know, is it like they're they're is there americans here more than likely are they doing a lot of like frontline shit fuck no like the u.s is pretty good on Setting their boundaries on what is going to be acceptable and what's not, like weapons monitoring, yep. yeah. CBRN shit. Yeah. Um, as far as like frontline advising, fuck no. Like the US has a technology now where they can do man in the middle from fucking Hawaii. You know, they don't need somebody. Yeah. On, yeah. We have the technology where we can literally advise from a beachfront property in fucking Malibu, you know, or wherever.
1: Yeah. And you're, you're 100% right on that. I mean, I know that shit's been going on for a while and it's. That's kind of documented that there's heavy intel, info, information on troop movements and all that stuff. So we all know that's going on.
0: I mean, they, they have the training program set up in fucking Western Europe. I don't think they really need to put like the more advanced like soft guys actually on the ground to train people here, especially when the training bases are going to be better in the West. Um, I mean, like, could they put a base in Western Ukraine and train people how to drive tanks? Yeah, sure they could. Are they going to get the same quality of training as they would on like a base in Britain? Fuck no. I mean, the bases in Britain for tank driving are going to be ten times what you're going to find in Ukraine. So yeah, yeah. There's yeah. A logistics behind. Well, it. have you ever
1: been? Have you ever been out to Hohenfels in Germany? I have not. Yeah, I'm sure. It, but that's a big armor open training space, and I, yeah, you're 100 percent right, man. I guarantee that that space is probably being used for, uh, you know, tra- Bradley training and different maneuver stuff.
0: If you put a couple thousand Americans here with proper support, would it make the war go quicker? Probably not. You need like 100,000 American troops with 100,000 fucking headquarters, HHC guys to make a big difference. And honestly, like the, if, if the U.S. would just give you the technology, like fucking give us night vision for fuck's sakes. Like all those PBS 7 still in the U.S. stocks, send them over. If we had night, like a lot of people thought Bradley's was going to be a massive game changer. Here's the deal. Bradley's have the technology to do night operations, but the soldiers don't. If we had fucking night vision for, like, say the 47th or whatever unit has fucking Bradleys, you give them the fucking shit that they can do operations at night, give them clicks give them fucking APOBS for mine clearance, they'll fucking wipe shit all night long. But they don't have... They're only getting part of the fucking, you know, equation. Like, oh, yeah, here's Bradleys with thermal and night vision. Okay, that's great. What about yeah. the troops that are going to leave the Bradley to go assault shit? Well, they don't have it, so they can't do night ops, you know? I mean, they could, but it's... Like fucking wandering around in the dark ain't gonna be any fun.
1: So, do you think that Ukraine's biggest weakness is their their uh, inability to f- kind of fight effectively at night?
0: Yeah, I mean, we everything. I would say majority of the operations outside of like their Ukrainian special forces and some select groups, like a majority of them, they can do night operations, but it's not going to be as effective. And they do do night operations, right. but it's like if you give a thousand sets of night vision to a brigade and you give them, you know. 12 Bradley's and 5 Abram tanks they're going to be able to do a lot more damage a lot quicker and a lot more accurate when the infantry have the fucking night vision but yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know like the US is focused on the heavier shit a lot of the times but like if we gave the right tools to the people on the ground like the actual infantry would do a lot more work but um, you know getting night vision to 200,000 guys is probably going to be hard obviously it would take a lot of stock out but would it end the war quicker? Definitely. I mean, if we had night vision, we'd be doing night ops every fucking day. I mean, hands down. Yeah,
2: with IR lasers coupled, oh, for yeah. sure.
0: Even, I mean, not you don't even need them. Like, fuck, our engagements are 10 meters, 5 meters. Like, square up and just blast. But, I mean, just night vision in general. Yeah, the Russians have thermal drones. We have thermal drones. They have thermal scopes, but... A thermal scope ain't going to save you from 20 dudes rocking night vision rolling up on your trench in a Humvee with blackout. Like, sorry.
2: I mean, from what we talked about before, it sounds like you're going to stay there until the end, huh? Yeah. Fuck. I mean, I've
0: been here. I need to take a vacation at some point. Like, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, like, hopefully after the counteroffensive, whenever that ends, fucking November, December timeframe, I'll probably go take, like, two weeks. We get, like, 30 days of leave a year, so I'll probably take, like, two weeks and come back um i know some of my guys are going to take leave here soon so i'll probably be one of the last ones that goes but i mean we're doing good work right now so keep up the momentum while you can i mean our morale's high yeah
2: i was about to ask you man how's your morale how's the morale your guys next to your left and right
0: the only thing my guys bitch about is we don't do enough operations and it's like well it takes time to plan them, motherfuckers you know like they're they don't get to see the planning i mean they do but they don't see like every step like we bring them in we do like more of a hey, you two go plan this, you two go plan that, come back with an idea, and we'll see if it mashes, but our meshes. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be here. What's your position right now? I'm the commander of all these retards right now, and then I have a Ukrainian above me. So
1: nice, it's I nice,
0: mean, it's, it's a pain in the ass. Well, you can say nice, I'll say pain in the ass, but it's good. Like, all my guys get along, like, we don't really have problems. So, like, we, we basically went from like the So I was in the International Legion recently to help build out one of the battalions. Um, It was going well for a while, and then just some fucking leadership fails. Uh, So I said, fuck that, grabbed, like, the core group of guys that helped build it with me. Um, Like, 25 of the core group all came over here with me, and then we started doing, um, like, invite only. That way to filter out all the fucking retards uh, that didn't have military experience um weren't planning on being here for like six months so like in ukraine you can cancel your contract at any time and that's fucking retarded because like the first month you have to build unit cohesion train build the sops back for the new guys so like by the time the first month is over like they got two months left that's not it's not any like the contract shit pisses me off it should be like one year minimum or fuck off but they won't do that because it'll piss off the west but Um, so yeah, like we basically do invite only now. So like if your friend's over here and he wants to come for six months, perfect. Send him over. We'll get the paperwork done, get him moving in the unit. Uh, they have to be good with trench assault. That's another thing a lot of fucking Westerners don't want to do. They come over here thinking like, oh, I'm going to do recce and be special forces. It's like, where's your fucking skills? You know, I mean like, oh, I was 19 Delta. Cool. You're a cab scout. You're still trench assault. Get the fuck in there. It's, it's it's annoying. Like we had some people that wanted to come, like, that were going to join. They came down like, oh, you live in a trench and you live underground. It's like, yeah, what do you fucking expect? We get artillery. What do you expect? We finally, like, weeded out all the retards, luckily. And now it's basically, like, invite only. And, like, the first question I asked, you, we like, do you want to, can you assault a trench? Like, are you physically in shape to assault a trench? Mentally, are you here? You're going to get shot at fucking the minute you get in the Humvee to the time you dismount. You're fucking getting shot at. If you can't handle trench assault, don't come plain and simple are
1: you guys still getting volunteers like whatever experienced guys coming from the states who are wanting to join up
0: not really like a lot to be honest i don't think the sf guys want to do trench assault (laughs) like i mean we do we do have some here like some of the guys here are fucking like soft like they were in one of the groups uh we have rangers like rangers dude rangers are fucking like yeah trench assault fucking let's go do it you know let's like let's go raid the yeah So, like, the Rangers, they're all on board all the time, which is fucking amazing. But, like, the more experienced, like, Special Forces guys are like, uh, no, I'm good on that. You know, and I don't blame them. Like, their skill set.
1: Rangers are fucking hard-hitting light infantry, and that's not what army special forces do you know that's yeah, yeah they they can do it and if they're forced but that's not their job you know
2: so yeah we hit hard tip of the spear in the yeah. sense if it's a hard hit right instead of a blunt fucking object and fast
0: the ukrainian unit we're with basically use us as sledgehammers and it works out great because yeah. like if they can't caption her like all right you guys go try And it's like all right let's go fuck this shit up um and we do like joint planning like our command, you can tell who was trained in the West and who wasn't or who worked with the West because like there's just a change in mentality with the command. They're more of like, Okay, let's sit down, let's plan this out. You know, it takes like a four, five, six, seven, eight days, whatever. They don't care. Like our commander will basically sit there until he likes it and everything's good. Like it's you can tell a difference on the unit. So the more the more that these guys, these these Ukrainians go get training in the west the more of these like better officers better ncos are coming back and that's again like if it, like if russia can't do anything in the next six months by next spring they're fucked because like you're getting ukrainians who are getting top-notch training who are you know i mean they're not just training your standard conscripts there's officers getting training there's fucking you know they're doing top-down training obviously it's not every officer and it's more of the enlisted for the insult stuff but like the officers are getting trained too and it's it is having an effect on the battlefield uh, and you're going to only see that increase as they get more experience with the western you know operational standard as far as like nato goes for doctrines i
1: talk about this for hours <laughs> i know i know kind i think this might be a good place to sort of get into wrapping this up a little
0: so our donation stuff just to be clear is not for the lethal aid it's basically so we actually developed flamethrowers that we're going to start using for trench clearing and that's like a touchy subject in itself i really don't give a fuck about that we're here to win a war um it's not against any fucking convention or whatever. But we're trying to get the Nomex suits so that our guys are fire safe, at least as much as possible, while we're burning Russians out of trenches.
1: Yeah, just lay all that stuff out, man. And, and, and like you said, you guys need whatever soft goods, equipment that you need for that type of support. What's your what's your um, PayPal info?
0: All right, perfect. I can do that. And we do like itemize. like We're going to itemize everything, too. so Because there's a lot of issues with people saying, like, stolen this, stolen that. So everything will be itemized with cost.
2: So, you know, in closing, dude, is there something that you would like the, the listeners and the watchers to know? You know, there's a, some kind of message you want to say that hasn't been said before, I guess, something you want to get off your chest in some way. Mainly geared towards the Americans. Like, you got to understand, like, so we're this like beacon of democracy and stability.
0: Um, <clears throat> when another country decides it wants to move towards democracy, we should support that. If they get attacked, we should support that. Um, being one of the main, not founders, but being one of the more modern founders of a democrat, democratic movement, you know, we should be trying to, you know, as long as countries are moving towards democracy, we should support their movements. Um, I'm not saying that we need to put boots on the ground. I'm not saying that we need to throw money at them, but there are ways that we can support countries. Ukraine just happens to be a way that we can support democracy by arming them to kill the Russians and get them the fuck out of the country. But, um, you know, this whole isolationist movement that we're doing nowadays isn't productive for democracy worldwide. It's not productive for anyone worldwide. So just open
2: your minds and understand that. It's a unique take on it, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, we both would, we'd love to check in, you know, and do a round fucking two, maybe six months from now. Um, yeah, I'll still be here. Well, I mean, obviously, dude, we want to stay in touch with you and give a fuck about your well being, dude. And I'm not wanting to try to tell you to stop by any means, man, but fucking, you know, we'll talk after we hit record on this, but
0: Perfect.
2: you know, stay safe and fucking stay the fucking course and you're doing what you want to do, man. And I, I, I think that's a, a fucking cool thing. All right. Hey, hey, sure, thank you man. Thank Absolutely. You much guys.